Good morning, everybody. Can you all hear me okay? At the back? Brilliant. That's good. It's lovely to be back with you and to be able to worship with you. And they're two new songs uh, to me, and they're beautiful words. And um, I want to actually use the title of that first uh, worship song that we sang together as a little headline, really, for what I'm going to share about uh, Kimberlio. Everything is possible. Everything is possible. And I think so often we can get into a place where we can feel things aren't possible. And we can feel that we can't make much of a difference. But actually, I think hopefully what we're going to hear a little bit about this morning is that we can make a difference. And with God, everything is possible. So I'm going to show you a short film in a minute uh, about Kimberlio. It was made last July when we were over there with a small team. And uh, somebody from my church in Manchester, we're very fortunate to have him in our church. He has worked with the BBC, and he came along and made this wonderful uh, little film, which it gives you a bit of a, a, a snapshot about the work of Kimberlio. For anybody out there who hasn't heard me speak before, Kimberlio supports street children in a city called Lubumbashi in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And I was involved in, from the beginning in helping starting it and getting going. And now it's run by a fantastic, hard-working team of Congolese staff in Lubumbashi. And I'm based back here in the UK and support it from this end. So do come and ask me any questions at the end. I'm only too happy to tell you more. Uh, but you're going to meet a young man in this video uh, called Jesse. And um, Jesse uh, used to live in Harper Hay not too far away from here, but he came originally from Congo, and he came over from Congo to Manchester when he was about nine with his dad, and they sought asylum. But when Jesse was 18, unfortunately, for different reasons, his asylum claim was turned down, and he was returned back to Congo. <coughs> and um, in Congo, just to tell you a little bit of the life when I lived there, one of the things I had to adjust to and get used to was the electricity situation. Now, I think we get upset sometimes if our electricity gets turned off for half an hour because they're doing some work down the road on the electricity substation or something. But we could go sometimes for, without electricity for three days, <laughs> which is something to adjust to. And um, that was for lots of different reasons. Sometimes the electricity cables would get stolen um, sometimes they would be sharing the electricity with the mines. That It's a very big mining city. So the industry gets the priority electricity. So during the day, the, the mining companies would get all the electricity and the people living in the houses would have to share it. So one area of a city would get electricity one day and then they'd be switched off and another area would get it the next day. And it would go on like that. But very often the electricity used to come on around 11 o'clock at night when all the industry stopped working. So suddenly the lights would all come on if you'd left the switch on. So sometimes I got into the habit, because it goes dark generally in Congo because it's near the equator between 6 and 6.30 every night. It doesn't change any time during the year. I used to get into the habit sometimes of just going to bed around half past 6. This used to become my new routine. And then I'd leave the lights on, 
So when the electricity came on, at 11 o'clock it would wake me up, and then I could get on with some emails, because of course without electricity I didn't have internet connection, and I would be able to do some work at 11 o'clock till about 3 o'clock, and then I'd go to sleep for a few hours and wake up again. So the reason I'm telling you all of this, because one night I was uh, switched, the electricity came on at 11 o'clock, and I went to check my emails, and I got an email from a lady called Liz, who was a prison visitor in the UK. Never heard of her before, but she sent me an email to say there's a young man called Jesse coming to Lubumbashi Airport tomorrow. He's been deported from the UK. All he's got with him is a slip of paper saying he's being deported from the, but from the UK government. He has no other ID. Can you help him? Um, so um, I emailed her back, just got a few more details and agreed to go to the airport and I got there and he'd already arrived and was being interrogated by the immigration officials at the airport and they were giving him a hard time. Who was he? Why did he come to Congo? Well, he left when he was nine so he didn't really speak much Swahili or French um, so he was struggling to communicate so thankfully I was there and able to uh, act as a go-between between the authorities, I was able to get him out, and he came and stayed at Kimberleo, and ended up supporting, we supported him when he arrived, and then he ended up supporting Kimberleo, and he's now one of the uh, support staff at Kimberleo, and we're absolutely delighted to have him on board. So I'm not going to say anything more, I'm going to introduce you to him, and you can see the film, and then I'll tell you a little bit more afterwards. The kids, not just like in video, everyone, we are all human and we are all equal. We are all different. We all have rights. In order to have a chance in life here, you have to be connected to someone. Everything is political, really. But here in Congo, you can find a smile in where other people would find misery. I can believe you feel that every kid is given the opportunity to, to be who they are. Being in the streets, having no shelter, having no one to care or protect them like a parent, they've gone through bad situations in life. But I can believe we don't see that the kids are, are weak. We see first their strength, and then from them, we can see how to support them, whichever needs they have. In that way, then they could be protected, and then they will feel safe. I needed Kimbilio because the people I Kimbilio and the carrot I Kimbilio, they're doing it with their hearts, you know. They give you food and it's like a mother giving it to a child. It makes a difference. The smile and the joy that we have around is just, you can't pay for it really.
I would like to thank everyone from the bottom of my heart, you know, uh, because I know Kimbilio is Kimbilio because of the people that are supporting it. So I would really like to thank everyone that are supporting it and I pray for you to carry on. I know that what you are doing, maybe for you, you just give money, but here you are actually changing lives. Quite interesting hearing Jesse speak now because when I first picked him up from uh, from the airport in Lubumbashi, he spoke with a Manchester accent. <laughs> spoke English with a Manchester accent, and now he's developed a bit of a French twang. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's amazing having him on board, and I think those words "everything is possible" ring true. If uh, Liz, that lady who in the south of England, who went to visit him as a volunteer in the prison. First of all, if she had not been doing that, we wouldn't have been able to get that contact with him. If she hadn't thought to send an email and look up to try and find some support and put him in touch with somebody, <coughs> what would have happened to Jesse? Where would he have found support when he arrived in Lubumbashi? Where would he be now? And I think these are all of the kind of questions sometimes in our life. When some, the Lord puts something on our hearts, sometimes... We, we need to act because uh, everything is possible through the strength that he gives. And um, I want to share with you a little bit more. You'd have seen in the video the children dancing around in a circle. They were dancing around in the primary school. And I remember coming here a few years ago with the model of the primary school. And that primary school is now a reality it's uh, bricks and it's mortar and it's a roof and children are going there. We have now 275 children studying at that school every day and that's become a reality through the vision and through the support that we've been able to get in the UK. So I brought another model. <laughs> We're not stopping. I brought another model this morning which you're very welcome to come and look at at the end. This is a model of the day centre and I know you here at Horridge were really supportive in buying the plot of land where we're going to build this day centre. And now we have a wonderful model that's been drawn up by the same builder and architect that did the plans for the school. And he's made this amazing model as well. And um, one of the tasks I'll be doing when I'm over in Congo um, in, a few, in a few weeks' time will be working with the builders over there to get a costing for this amazing model. As you can see, it's two-story. We've never built two stories before, so that's a big challenge. Um, we're hoping it's going to be a place where street children can come 24-7. At the moment, we have a day centre which meets in the, the church building over the road from the, us. And the church are wanting to use their building more and more, so this, the space for us isn't as available as it used to be. And so to have our own plot of land where we can welcome children 24-7 offer them a safe place, a place to sleep, some place where they can get medical care, place to eat, um, where we can also transport our young mums um, once they've completed the hair and beauty training programme in our other hairdressing salon. We're going to have on the main road here a hairdresser's shop 
where they can actually have set up their own small business. And on this side, we're going to have a, a, a shop for the women who have learned sewing skills in the two sewing workshops that we run. Uh, so they can actually have a place on the main street where they can sell their, their, their goods and bring some money back into their family so that they can hopefully prevent their children coming back on the streets again because it is very often poverty that drives those children to the street because parents often just don't have the money to feed their children. It's as basic as that. And for those of you who are in education, you may know of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs which talks about we need to have our very basic needs met before we can reach a point of having all of the other kind of needs that we have to, to be actualized and to be met. And those basic needs are as basic as food and as water and as healthcare and shelter. And that is hopefully what we will be able to offer through this building. So it'll be great to show you as things develop uh, how that goes on and how the building grows and how we're able to make use of it. So far, we've just ha raised enough money to build a wall, which has just started this week at the back of here to separate us from the plot of land behind because at the moment, the people behind are using that plot a bit as a rubbish dump. So we've been able to start building a wall which will protect the plot and show to people that it is now owned and that we have an intention to build as soon as we're able. And then the other exciting news to share with you, which brings it a little bit closer to home, and some of you may know this already. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm going out in July, uh, the beginning of July for about two weeks, and I'm delighted that Sean has agreed to come along, um, which is wonderful. Uh, we're going to be taking a small group. Uh, there'll be six of us all together, and uh, it'll be great because I know Sean has been interested in the work for a long time, and it'll be great to be able to actually show him um, you know, face to face and for him to see it with his own eyes and hopefully to be able to come back and share with you directly his experience over there. So it's great that you're coming, Sean. We're looking forward to it. Yeah. So please do pray for us as we go out in July um, that we'll be kept safe and that we'll have a really uh, blessed time together and um, that we will be able to really see all of the developments developments. Jesus is greater than it all, isn't he? And uh, let's just spend a few minutes now just in open prayer. Some people would like to pray. That would be great. I'll come up here and you can see me, hopefully. Can you still hear me okay? Brilliant. Um, well, I do want to start just with a sincere thank you because it really does make such a difference having this relationship with you as a, a fellowship and for all your support over a number of years. Thank you so much. So I'm going to share with you a little bit this morning. I don't know who's got good eyesight, but who can see some of the words? I know they're pretty tiny on the screen. Can anybody make any of them out? Sue's got good eyesight. Maim. Hebrew for water. Very impressive. Ma'im. Can anybody guess what some of the other words might be with that clue? Well, there's O, which is French for water. O, French for water, which we certainly use in, in Congo. So, water. 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 English for water. 
attempt is on it. Well done. So you might have guessed already, these are all different words for water in different languages all around the world. And the word for water in Swahili, which is the language they use in Lubumbashi, is mai, or maji. It depends which part of uh, Africa you're in as to how pure your Swahili is. But in, in Lubumbashi, it's mai. And when you walk down the street, you get used to hearing little children walking along the street shouting, mai baridie, <laughs> mai baridie. And Sean will uh, be hearing that in a few weeks' time. And that basically means cold water. And they are selling little sachets, can't say the word, of cold water, which they freeze in in freezers. It's a little business that that they do in freezers, in little shops. And then they defrost them in the morning. And with the heat in Congo, it defrosts quite quickly. And they walk around the street selling these little, not going to say it, plastic bags of water. (laughs) And it's very important, uh, water in Congo. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a minute. But here I've got two glasses. I wonder if anybody's tempted to drink any of this. No, Eric's shaking his head. (laughs) Anybody feel tempted to drink any of this? If you were to choose, which one would you go for? We're all going for this fresh-looking, clear water here. And that's because we know the importance of having clean water. Because dirty water spreads disease, causes illness. And our suspicion is, perhaps, that that's what's going on in this glass. And none of us want to go near it. I am going to reassure Sean that in Congo, with the place we're staying, they do have access to clean water. Uh, they filter it and they boil it, um, and we're very fortunate to have that. I'm going to let you into secret. This is actually just water with a tea bag in it, so it's, <laughs> it's cold tea. But you might have started to imagine all sorts of other things lurking in this glass of water. But in Congo, often people don't have a choice. Many people who don't live in a house where has facilities to boil water or have filters. Children living on the streets, the kind of water that they drink or wash in might be this colour. <coughs> Can we go on the next slide? I t- yeah, you do. So I'm just wondering, you, water is so useful, isn't it? It's so important in everyday life. Can we think of some of the ways and reasons we use water on a day-to-day basis? We've probably done it already this morning. Clean our teeth, Clean our teeth absolutely. Showers. Many of us will have had showers this morning. We'll have got into that shower, turned on the tap, taken it for granted that we'd get some lovely, refreshing water. Boiling your egg. Boiling your egg. <laughs> absolutely. Cooking, preparing food. So important. Flushing the toilet, absolutely. Something we often just don't even get a, give a second thought to. We press the button and it all goes away. But in countries like Congo, where they don't have running water, and the water has to be actually brought up from a river, c- carried often on people's heads, on the heads of children and often women, cleaning toilets can often not seem quite as important or as such a high priority 
as it might be for us here, just because of the sheer effort that has to go into actually cleaning it afterwards, which can often lead into lots of other hygiene and health issues. Any other thoughts about water? Water the garden, absolutely. So when uh, in the summer, uh, when they've got a heat wave, we can often water our plants, keep them alive, keep the vegetables going, grow food, grow fruit. So important for our everyday life. And that's something in Congo that they're struggling with, with increasing uh, climate change. Uh, they generally have six months of wet season and six months of dry season. And in the, uh, the dry season, the water table is beginning to go lower and lower. So wells that have previously been dug are now having to be dug deeper because it doesn't reach the water table anymore because the dry season is getting longer um, due to climate change. So, so many key important reasons we need water. And at Kimberlea recently, we were able to get this amazing truck to come along and drill a hole, a well, right down next to the school so that the school children will have access to clean water. Many of the wells in people's houses, next to people's houses, are just hand-dug wells. Often they collapse over time or the water becomes polluted. But there's this wonderful drilling machine. We've been able to go really down deep and get proper clean water so that children at Kimberlea can come and get, um, get clean water. And this put me in mind of this story in, in, from John chapter 4 of the lady who is going to a well. And I'm sure many of you will be familiar with this story, and we'll read it in just a minute. But she went to the, the well in the middle of a day, which is a bit strange when you live in a hot country, because we've just talked about carrying that, hot, that heavy water on our shoulders or doing that heavy manual lifting of getting the water out of the well. It's not something you do in the middle of the day. When I lived in Congo, I would often see early morning, when the sun comes up around half past five, people are already down at the water source, in the cool of the day, bringing the water up. But this lady we know went to the well to do it in the middle of the day, in order, we think, so she could avoid other people, because she was on the edge of society. She was considered an outcast. Again, very similar to some, many of the children we work with at Kimberleo. Many of the children are seen as the problem. They're scapegoated. They're on the edge of society. They're the reason for crime. They're the reason that brings witchcraft into families. They're the reason that bring illness and problems and, 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 and death often. And for this woman, she went to that well in the middle of the day and had an amazing encounter with Jesus. And we really hope for the children that come to Kimberleo, they're coming, and that encounter they have with us will be an amazing encounter that will turn their lives around in many ways. And we, we have seen that already in the lives of the children we're working with. But let's just read that, um, refresh our memory of that amazing story. And I'm reading from the Amplified Bible, and it's John chapter 4. I'm just going to read from verse 7 to verse 15. Then a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone off into the city to buy food. 
The Samaritan woman asked him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew about God's gift of eternal life, and who it is who says, Give me a drink, you would have asked him instead, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw up with, no bucket or rope, and the well is deep. Where then do we get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well, and who used to drink from it himself and his sons and his cattle also? Jesus answered her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give will never be thirsty again. But the water that I give him will become in him a spring of life, welling up, continually flowing, bubbling within him to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not get thirsty or have to come continually back again to draw water. What an amazing story. And sometimes I feel, as I've mentioned, the children that come to us at Kimberleo are coming just for those very basic needs of water and food in order to see, uh, to make a difference because they have that need of that very, very basic need in life. I'm just wondering about other parts in the Bible where we think about water and different stories came to mind and maybe different stories will come to your mind. But if we look at some of these images here, I wonder what the headlines are that speak to us when we see these different images and think of these different amazing stories that many of us may have heard uh, from when we were children, perhaps at Sunday school. We've already been thinking about this one of Jesus meeting the woman at the well. What do you think could be the headline from that story that comes out of that story? I know it's a very complex and in-depth story, but if we were just to think of the headline, what does that water provide for that, that woman? Living water. Living water. It's, that's the thing that's provided. And, and what change does it elicit in her life potentially? Lovely, absolutely, acceptance. That's that one word headline, acceptance. And isn't that something that we all need in our lives, to feel accepted and loved and included? Again, something at Kimberleo that we feel is so important for the children who have been ostracized from their families and don't have that sense of acceptance. How about this story here in Exodus where that the amazing story of the children of Israel and the way that the Red Sea was parted. What's the headline there? Safe passage, deliverance, deliverance, freedom. All these are amazing words, aren't they? Again, things that are so important for us in our lives. A sense of freedom, a sense of being able to worship freely a sense of being able to be uh, together. For the children of Israel, they hadn't had that, but they were able to escape 
from the captivity that they'd been involved in. And there are many people around the world that are experiencing that sense of captivity. And sometimes we can experience it in our personal lives as well. But yet we are offered that sense of freedom through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's think of maybe another one here. This one where Jesus is walking on the water. Trust. Absolutely. A sense of trust. Yeah, absolutely. Again, something that we feel is so important in our relationships with each other, to be able to trust each other and to know that trust that can come as well through God's love. Thank you. So I wonder today, um, if I was to offer this water to you to drink, what do you think is the sense of feeling that you might get from drinking a, a glass of lovely fresh water? Refreshed. refreshed, absolutely. Refreshed and changed. Especially on a hot day. Those of you who might have tra- travelled to hot countries or on the odd rare occasion we get a real hot day in, in the northwest. When we drink a glass of water, we feel a sense, our body feels changed and enlivened and refreshed. And I wonder sometimes in our lives that just reflecting back sometimes on what Jesus can offer us, all of those things we've just been talking about, those headlines, words, sometimes it's easy to let them slip and forget But when we do take a sip of that water that Jesus gives us again, we can remember it and be refreshed. And I think just maybe for one minute, just maybe turn to the person next to you and share, if you feel able, you don't have to, no pressure, but if you feel able, just a moment of refreshing that you've experienced this week. A time, a positive moment this week when you felt refreshed, enlivened, made free. Just one minute with the person next to you. I have to put myself on the spot now. I have to turn the microphone off. Come back together again. I think there's been some, it sounds like there's been some wonderful moments shared there. And um, it's lovely, isn't it, sometimes just to change the focus and to remember the positive things and to be able to share them with each other and encourage each other by doing that. And this is uh, another water-linked theme, of course. Baptism is a massive, uh, important thing in our Christian lives, isn't it, where we go into the water and we come up and experience that new life, uh, a symbol of dying to sin and rising again to new life in Christ. And these amazing words, these amazing encouraging words that Jesus heard on his own baptism day. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Jesus needed those words of encouragement. And if he needed those words of encouragement, how much more do we also need words of encouragement And I think water, that sense of refreshment that comes from water, but also the symbolism of that that we've been able to share this morning as we've shared encouraging words with each other, help us to 
continue to live and live together and support each other. And we pray, and I pray for you as a fellowship that that Torridge Evangelical Church will continue to be known as a place, almost like a well in this area, where people know that they can come and receive those encouragement words of encouragement, receive a sense of support, and know uh, God's love in their lives. And let's just continue together, wherever we're placed, whether it's in our work situation, whether it's in church, in our family, in our neighborhood, just to continue to look out for those moments where we can offer that, that water that gives life uh, to others. Amen. message um, okay we'll just um, close our service with our final hymn um, so what a gift of grace is Jesus my redeemer there is no more I can't read it <laughs> too far away. there is no more for heaven now to give he is my joy my righteousness my freedom my steadfast love my deep and boundless peace let's sing that together shall we stand together as we <laughs> Give time.